0: Good morning, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Tammy, Uh, I'm one of the leaders here with my lovely husband, Brian, and uh, we are going to open up God's word just now. I am currently sporting my just coming out of winter, heading into spring husky voice for you all this morning. I apologize for any coughing that might ensue. This morning, we are going to be looking at a verse, a few verses out of the book of Acts. Because it seems to me that there are three moments in my life where if I was to invite my non-Christian friends uh, to church, they might come. Those three are Christmas, Easter. People come to church at those times a year, don't they? And so they might come. Or my baptism. If I was to tell my friends that I was going to be baptized, they would come because they would come and support me. And so wouldn't it be amazing if we combine two of those incredible events? Yes, it would, Tammy. Yes, it would. Come on, wake up, people. (laughs) This Easter, we are going to have a baptism service, and we're really looking forward to having a bunch of people baptized. The reason for that is we can be given as much advice as possible. We can listen to teaching as much as possible. But isn't it true that we learn so much more from people's stories? Isn't it true that we really relate to people's stories more than we do to uh, teaching or to other people's advice? And so uh, this Easter, I genuinely believe that there are somewhere in the region of 15 to 20 people who have not yet been baptized. Wouldn't it be incredible if we had that many people to baptize this Easter? And so we're all going to take this opportunity to think one, have I been baptized yet? Two, Who could I bring, even if it's not my baptism? Who could I bring? Who do I know in my life that really needs to hear some stories of what Jesus can do? We're all going to take that moment to think about it. Wouldn't it be amazing if we just packed the place out? We're going to look at what baptism is for that very reason. And to do that, we're going to turn. Actually, we're going to dip around lots of different pieces of scripture. So forgive me for looking at my notes a bit more than I might normally, because there's lots... Uh, of bits around um, the Bible that we're going to look at this morning, but but the main passage we're going to is in Acts. It is chapter 2, verse 32. And whilst you're finding that, and whilst I ask Ali if he could give out some Bibles, if you haven't brought your Bible with you and you'd like to read along with us, raise your hand. And if you don't have one at home, then we'd love to give you this as a gift. Maybe they've all brought their Bibles. Exciting. Okay. So just to give you a bit of background on this passage, this is the day of Pentecost. So what's happened so far is Jesus uh, has died, he's risen again, he's been with them for a while, he's had his last supper with them, and as he left, he promised he was going to send someone, and that was the Holy Spirit. The, The disciples have all been locked away in the upper room, hiding, fearful of their lives, and then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God blows through um, that room and they all suddenly start speaking in a different language they start speaking in tongues and it's that moment that we're going to drop into they've poured out onto the streets and there are thousands of people there looking in thinking what on earth is going on and we're going to drop in just as peter stands up to tell everyone what it is that's going on so let me just pray before we read that father god thank you for your word I pray this morning that you would prepare our hearts to hear it the way you intended it to be spoken this morning, that you would uh, solidify in us what it is you want us to hear individually this morning, Lord. We are ready to hear from you. Amen. Amen. So Acts 2, 32 says this. It says, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. This is Peter speaking on behalf of all the disciples. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, For the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Amen. Can you imagine that a a little wee moment like this was to erupt like that, and our church was to grow by 3,000 in that moment? How incredible would that be? How powerful a moment must that have been for those guys? I've been praying and asking God what he wants to say to us this year as a church. It seems to me that a key priority of ours needs to be that we need to go public with our faith. Often we hide it, don't we? Often it's a little bit embarrassing or difficult to bring up in conversation, but I genuinely believe that God is asking us to go public with our faith. That might be to our friends, It might be to members of our family who don't yet know that we go to church or that we love Jesus. It might be to a stranger in the street. But my prayer is that we would receive a fresh call from Jesus to talk about him, to bring him into conversation, out with this room, for Jesus to be able to break out of the walls of our church and out onto the street. And I sense that God is saying to some of us, come on. It's time to blow your cover. And for some of us, that might be getting baptized. What better way, what better time to invite lots of people to church, to come and hear why it is you believe what you believe. But it's quite clear that not everyone really knows what baptism is, right? Like when you talk about it with other people, they're not entirely sure exactly what it is. And there's some um, differing opinions over what baptism should be what it is and what different people believe and so we're going to pull apart lots of different parts of the bible to look at what baptism is but it's quite obvious when you look at people that are famous for example so let's look at what david beckham said when he was going to get brooklyn christened or baptized the press said to him will you get brooklyn christened and he said absolutely we're going to baptize brooklyn we're just not entirely sure what faith into yet Clearly, not really sure what's happening there. And then, one of the most hilarious stories of someone not really knowing what it is that's going on, is this guy in the fifth century called King Angus. Anyone heard of King Angus? No, me neither. Good. Uh, Saint Patrick baptized King Angus. Now, Saint Patrick used to carry with him a crook, and on the bottom of that crook was this spike. And what he did with that was he would put it into the ground so that it would stand alone right and so mid ceremony baptizing this king you can imagine it's a serious moment saint patrick puts his crook into the ground straight through king angus's foot saint patrick lowers him down into the water brings him back up again and there's this lovely pool of both water and blood surrounding them and after the ceremony saint patrick says to king angus why didn't you say anything? And King Angus says, I just thought that was part of the ceremony. (laughs) Can you imagine? And it's got me asking the question, do we really know? Do we really know what baptism is? Do we know what to say to someone when they say what is baptism? So we're going to look at that. The first point we're going to say, that's literally the first point. What is baptism? What was baptism and what has it become? So we're going to whistle-stop through some of the Old Testament scriptures. Most ancient writings talk about ritual cleansing. Uh, You can see that with brides and bridegrooms before they get married. They have a ritual cleansing ceremony in the Old Testament. They also ceremoniously wash their hands uh, before eating. There are specific moments where people will be ceremoniously washed In front of other people. So, for example, in Exodus 29, you've got Aaron and his sons. These guys are going to be the first priests of the newly built tabernacle. And there's a ritual cleansing ceremony before they take up that mantle. In Leviticus 14, uh, there are people who appear to have been completely healed of um, leprosy, essentially, of skin diseases. And they have to go through a ritual cleansing ceremony before they are allowed back into society so you can see this cleansing ceremony tracks its way back all the way through to the early part of the old testament and you can also see that archaeologists have dug up baths that were used for that very purpose so it's not just in the bible it's in history there are lots of historians who have um, dug around and found all these ritual cleansing baths uh, and they will track them back to ceremonial washing The first record we have, though, of what baptism, how we would describe it is, is John the Baptist. So when you go to the New Testament, you only have to look at Mark, which we've been looking at. By the way, we're about to return back to Mark. That'll be fun. Uh, John the Baptist preaches a baptism of repentance. He says this in Mark 1, 4. Or it says this, sorry. It says, so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all of the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. River sorry. John the Baptist was saying, get yourselves right with God. Let him clean you. Let him cleanse you. And that's the major uh, theme all the way through the New Testament is this this external sign of an internal moment that has happened with you, an internal reality that God has made you clean, and this is the external sign of that. It's important to note, too, that baptism um, is never mentioned as just a small dusting of water. Uh, In John 3, John the Baptist, it says, he chose a specific stretch of water that was deep enough. When Jesus was baptised, he came up out of the water. He can't really come up out of a drizzle of water. When Philip was uh, baptising the Ethiopian eunuch, it says that it was at the side of the road, and they went down into the water, and then they came back up out of the water. In fact, there are no instances in the New Testament of a sprinkling of water. It always involves a depth of water where you're fully submerged. And the Greek word, when you look at baptize, when it goes all the way, anytime it's it's mentioned, the Greek word uh, is used, the English that we translate that to include, let me see if I can say this right, because I couldn't before. They refer to the sinking of a ship, dipping a cup deep into a bowl, or soaking a cloth in a vat of dye. And the English word we use, or words that we would use for it are, drench, dunk, dip, duck, douse, deluge, or soak, sink, swamp, steep, or saturate. Ah, I said it, good. The point is, people, it always includes a lot of water and it always includes full submersion. Uh, John the Baptist waded into the Jordan River uh, and um, Jesus and all of the disciples baptised people in the same river. So that's what it was, what it became... What does it mean? So the way we talk about this here in this church is that the first thing is it speaks of a bath. So I don't know about you, but as a kid, I absolutely loved this time of year because it rains a lot. I loved the rain. I hate it now as an adult, but I loved it. In fact, I used to love walking home in the rain completely soaked because my friends and I would know that what that meant was the field at the back of our house was going to have this massive puddle in it and we were all going to head out and play in this huge, I mean, when I'm saying puddle, really, like, I mean, I know I'm short, but it was a lot of water, okay? And so we'd all head out and we'd all play around in this puddle As an adult, looking back, I can't really see why it was so much fun, but it was. We all would jump around in it, splash each other, and play all sorts of games where we'd dare each other to run all the way through through to the deepest part. My parents, however, did not enjoy this moment because what it meant was I would come home completely, not just soaking, dripping wet, but covered in mud. I had very long hair, people. Long, long hair. Can you imagine my poor mum <laughs> trying to get all of that mud off of me? All I'd want to do is come home and snuggle up and get warm because, of course, by this point I'm freezing. Uh, but I'd have to have a bath. The trouble is, I'm so disgustingly muddy, the bath immediately turns muddy. So then there's this moment where my mum's saying, no, no, you have to stay in because you have to get clean. You know how on the back of a shampoo bottle it says, lather, rinse, repeat? Repeat. We were there for a long time getting all of that mud off. It was disgusting. But yet I loved it. I loved those moments. The trouble is, there's only so much washing you can do. And when you're washing, you can only get the outside clean, can't you? There's nothing we can do to clean the inside. Except Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can clean us on the inside. And that is the wonderful thing about what he did for us on the cross. This baptism moment is a bath where you are recognizing that he has cleansed you. You're saying in that moment, yes, please, Lord, cleanse me inside and out. And as Ananias said to Saul of Tarsus, and now... What are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away and call on Jesus' name. So it speaks of a bath internally. It speaks of a burial as well. We've been reading through the book of Ephesians, haven't we? And there's lots and lots of referral in there to how we are to put off our old self and to put on the new. And Paul talks about this concept often. In baptism, we are enacting the burial and the coming back up of Jesus, aligning ourselves with the death of Jesus. In Colossians 2.12, it says, You were buried with Christ in baptism, in which you were also raised with him. Baptism is a way of us drawing a line on our lives and beginning our new life with God. Does anyone remember a guy called John Darwin? Does that name ring a bell for anyone? This was a story in the news that was a big story at the time. It was back in 2002. Excuse me. John and his wife had come to the point where they needed to start afresh. They were in a lot of debt. And so what they'd done is they went canoeing. Uh, He got on his canoe and he went out into the sea. And then, weirdly, he didn't return back to work later on that day, and he was reported as a missing person. the next day, his canoe turns up on the shore, completely wrecked. And everyone's really, really confused, because the trouble is there was no storm. The sea was as calm as calm could be, and no one really understood what happened. But nevertheless, they couldn't find him, and so he was declared dead, and his insurance money was paid out which is exactly why they had done it. It was an an elaborate and actually quite tragic story for them to recoup all the money that they needed. It's quite uh, a bizarre moment, and I think lots of us looking in were reading it thinking, wow, what must that have been like? They must have been in a dire situation. How many of us can relate to to, to wanting to just draw a line and start afresh? think we've all had moments in our life where we've been like I'd love to just let go of that of course the New Testament talks a lot about coming to faith in Jesus meaning a death how we lay down our lives in order to gain a new life in Christ in Galatians 2 it says I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me And in Colossians 2.20, it says you died with Christ. And so when we come to faith, repentance is the next step and baptism is the next one. To have a new life in Christ, we die and baptism is where we perform the burial. So just think about that for a moment because if you sat here and you're thinking, I don't need to listen to any of this because I've been baptized. This is my moment where I can just have a wee snooze. That's what happened when you were baptized. You were washed internally. You came up out of the grave and you were risen with Jesus. That is a powerful moment. A line was drawn in your life. Baptism speaks of a bath and it speaks of a burial. It's the appropriate thing to do with a dead body. Our previous life has died. When someone dies, we bury them. And that's the right thing to do. It speaks of a bath, a burial, and it speaks of a badge of belonging. In this moment, when you are baptised, what you're saying is, "I belong here, and I belong to this church. I belong with these people." Uh, our kids are teenagers, and so we no longer have the lovely moment when they're toddlers and they're holding your hand wherever you go, and they look up at you all proud. Of your, with you, don't they? Even when you're at home, you'll sit and you'll snuggle together. Our teenagers, God love them, they no longer have that moment. In fact, they have the opposite. They'd quite happily walk 10 feet in front of you just so that, you know, people don't necessarily know that you're their parents. They want to disassociate. And it's a normal part of teenage life. My children are wonderful. Uh, baptism is where we say, I may not like everybody in this room, I may not ever have come across them in my life other than in church, but I belong here. This church is where I belong, and I'm going to baptize into this church, I'm going to become part of this family. It talks about it in the New Testament that we are children of God, and in that moment unity happens. Colossians 3:26 says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children through faith for all of you were baptized in Christ. So why should we be baptized then? Well, firstly, it's normal for Christians to be baptized. Through the New Testament, wherever people encounter Jesus, the uh, Uh, Sorry, let me start that again. Wherever they encountered the good news that Jesus had been raised from the dead, they were baptized. Let me just give you a few examples. You had Lydia in um, Acts. Lydia sold purple cloth. She came to know Jesus. She was in a little moment of chatting with other women. She came to know him and was baptized. In fact, her whole family were. The Philippian jailer, uh, Paul and Silas are in prison. Uh, They start worshiping and the walls come tumbling down, and the jailer thinks, Oh my goodness, all of the prisoners are going to run away. I should kill myself because I'm going to get into a lot of trouble. Of course, Paul shouts out, We haven't gone anywhere. And for the jailer, that's a moment of, Okay, what's just happened? They tell him the good news of Jesus and he is baptized. They go home, they tell his family, and they are baptized. Crispus, the synagogue leader, was a Jew. He hears about Jesus, he believed it and he was baptized. Even Simon the sorcerer was baptized. In fact, you'd be really hard-pressed to find anyone who heard the good news of Jesus, believed it, and then wasn't baptized. It happened, they believed, they repented, and they were baptized. And the truth is that actually the writers of the New Testament, in all of the books in the New Testament, they're just assuming that we've all been baptized. When you read... um, any of the the scriptures, they say, we have all been baptized into Christ, or they refer to when you were baptized. They're just assuming it. So we get baptized because it's normal. We get baptized because Jesus commanded it. Let's think about the Great Commission. He said, go and make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We baptize one another because Jesus told us to. Ultimately, to be baptized is to be obedient. So the flip side of that is to not be baptized is to be disobedient. We do it because he tells us to. And we do it because it is a powerful witness. What I said at the start is really important. People hearing your story, people in your sphere of influence, people that know you, your story is what will uh, stir something up within them. The trouble is, we really like to retain our dignity, don't we? We don't like looking silly. Even I don't really like standing up here with a microphone. (laughs) But the problem is, if we align ourselves to that, if we think, why on earth would I put myself in a situation where I would be fully submerged in water, where, let's face it, white things become see-through? Floaty things float. Someone's going to dunk you under the water, which quite frankly would normally be called bullying. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? Why would I stand up in front of people and tell them my story? Why? Because Jesus is more important than our dignity, guys. Jesus is more important. It's a powerful witness, and your story counts. What better opportunity? you to be able to share that to demonstrate the importance of him in your life so before we finish let's look at some frequently asked questions because often in this moment people have a hundred questions if that's you and you're sitting there thinking oh actually i haven't been baptized and now i have a ton of questions let me just go through a few of them that we always get asked so that you know what the answer is the first one is if i was christened as an infant." does that count? This is a really tough question. And I know lots of people who were christened as an infant or perhaps confirmed. um, And they genuinely believe that that that's them obeying the scriptures and that for them, they have a peace about that. And that's okay. In contrast, I was christened as a child. I was not brought up as a Christian, but I had that ceremony. And when I got to know Jesus, and heard about baptism, I searched the scriptures, I spoke to my leaders and realized, actually, I need to be baptized. This is something that I need to do. And so if that's you, if you were christened as a child, confirmed, or any other form of um, baptism in another church, then what we just say to you is, read the scriptures, speak to your leaders, and if you have a piece about that, then that's okay. If you want to ask us questions about that, then come and speak to us and ask us. But the reality is that, as we've said, you you get to know Jesus, you believe, you repent, you're baptised. And so we'd love to talk to you about that. The next question, believe it or not, that we always get asked is, is it too late? I've been a Christian for decades and decades. In fact, I've been part of this church for decades and decades. And so wouldn't I look stupid if I stood up there and said, I haven't yet been baptised? The answer is no. The answer is it's never too late. The answer is the appropriate thing to do is be baptized for all the reasons that we said. And sometimes uh, dead bodies lie around for a while. So let's think about war. We spoke about how uh, the appropriate thing to do with a dead body is to bury it, right? But let's think about a war. Those bodies may lie uh, dead and no one finds them for some time. Uh, what happens when you do find them the appropriate thing to do is to bury them at that point right and so if you're sat there and you're thinking i would look like a right numpty. like um, i might even be a leader in this church and and i, and I, I can't possibly stand up there and say it's too you know I, I need to be baptized that's nonsense it's never too late to be baptized and so again come and speak to us the question we always always get asked by almost everybody who wants to be baptized is can you guess do I have to stand up here and share my story that's honestly that's what everybody wants to know and the answer is yes shall we stand no <laughs> the answer is yes because it's such a powerful witness now we will make it as easy as we possibly can we'll sit with you we will hear your story we'll talk about what the Um, big things that have happened in your life that Jesus has made a difference in and we'll help you to hone your story and share it up front and we'll even maybe ask you specific questions to keep you on task the truth is it's the easiest thing to do it's a bit like a groom's speech everyone in that room loves you and wants the best for you So even if they don't know you, you know what it's like. If you've gone along to a wedding and you don't really know the groom very well, you're totally for him in that moment, aren't you? And all he has to say is, on behalf of my wife and I, and everyone's like, yay, it's the same thing. Everyone wants to hear your story, and it's important. And so if you'd like to be baptized, if you've heard any of what I've said, and you haven't yet yet been baptized, we'd love to speak to you. Shall we stand?